The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by 3Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI-powered and UX-focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com. Empire. The fans are wisening up. Why wouldn't the stadium get smarter too? So it's almost like the contextual Google. So Google as shaping websites, they're providing a platform that our stadium and team customers are putting this content in a format that makes it AI ready, readable, or ready. That's Donnie White. CEO and co-founder of Satisfy Labs, where AI is being built to change the in-game experience. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. The object is to learn more about you and in turn give you what you want. What Donnie White can't promise is wins, but who knows, maybe one day he'll do that too. That's as new school as it gets. We'll get really old school as well with Matt Day, the digital marketing and e-commerce manager from basketball producer Spalding. And you may be surprised what those basketballs can do these days, but the future is now by mixing the old and new school on an Ivy League football field. Innovation in football. Sometimes it comes from some of the most unlikely areas. Hallie Grossman writes for ESPN, and she recently profiled Dartmouth's football program, which is embracing the new school tech forward way of thinking. Hey, Hallie, how are you? I'm good. How are you? What are they doing up there? They're doing all sorts of things. You know, what actually originally brought me up there was last fall. Um, Buddy Stevens hired the first ever full-time woman coach in college football, Division One college football, I should say, um, and Callie Brownson. And so I went up last fall to sort of meet Callie and check out what was going on up there. And it sort of uh, domino affected into all of this is that, you know, really Callie is sort of one part of the innovation puzzle uh, that Buddy Stevens is really promoting um, and sort of takes to his approach to football there. So it's not a familiar name, but I, I think it's worth saying he's 62. So I think that in itself is amazing that he is kind of seeing the light with all this modern technology. Yeah, no, you. a lot of times you might think that, you know, you associate innovation with guys who are younger, right? Um, the McVeighs of the world. And Buddy Tevens is not, you know, the youngest football coach out there, obviously, but um, this has really been a part of his approach um, in Dartmouth since his, you know, the beginning of his second stint, obviously, um, when he returned to Dartmouth. And he's really, you know, he's concerned about the future of the game. He says that um, almost like a broken record, right? That he, if, if he doesn't, if other coaches don't adopt and adapt new ways of thinking when it comes to football, that they won't have a football game to coach in maybe 10 years or 20 years or 30 years or whatever it is down the line. And so, you know, all of this is really born out of a concern for the future of the game and making sure that there's still a game for kids to play and coaches to coach. So what does that mean to him? Less tackling, less practice? What, what does that look like? 
Yeah, so it's a bunch of different things that sort of go into this innovative stew, I would say, right? The first thing that he really became most well-known for was the elimination of live tackling in practicing, in his, you know, in his practices in regular season, spring ball, um, preseason, all of that. And so about eight years ago, he decided he wanted to eliminate live tackling. And his decision was based in his understanding that, you know, concussions and CTE, you know, the danger of that wasn't just sustained, you know, in the course of a game by sustaining those big sort of, you know, television-worthy blows that it's really one of the biggest dangers is from those repeated hits and the sub-concussive hits that you sustain in practice. And he just felt like, look, if I can eliminate however many, if it's 100 or 500 or 1,000 hits over the course of a kid's career, then isn't that a start, right? Like, isn't that a, a step or step one of making this game safer for these kids who are, you know, coming to play for me? Um, and so that was that was his first real step forward in that way was sort of rethinking what tackling looks like in the course of the course of practice, um, and that started with his eliminating of you know tackling in practice about eight years ago. That has been spread to the Ivy League as a whole in 2016. The uh, conference adopted um, an elimination of tackling in all regular season practices for the entire uh, you know all eight teams. Um, and, and as far as the tech goes, what are they using up there? Are they into virtual reality? What, what are they implementing in their program? Yeah, again, it's a little bit of everything. Um, the, the virtual reality is definitely a part of it. They have, uh, they do use Driver, which, um, you know, uh, several other schools have sort of, uh, you know, brought into their own portfolio too. Like Davos Mini uh, went on the, about a five-minute gush session sort of extolling the virtues of virtual reality. Um you know, David Shaw at Stanford as well, but uh, Davo, I'm sorry, excuse me, um, Buddy has, you know, really enjoyed sort of using that for quarterbacks specifically. Um, it's sort of a way, it's a great way for them, you know, if they are a backup quarterback or if they are splitting reps in practice with other quarterbacks, it's just a really effective way to, you know, make up those lost reps without getting on the field, that they can sit in a black leather easy chair in the Dartmouth team room and put on a helmet or a headset and sort of feel like they're back on the field, right? Like it's, you can, it's immersive. So you can turn 360 degrees and, you know, it's like you're being back on the field. You're standing back on the field. You see your quarterback coach and the water station and your offensive line. And so it's a really good way to sort of, um, get those mental reps um, when you don't have a chance to have, you know, take all the physical reps in practice. Um, so there's a lot of that. There's a virtual reality for sure, you know, and there's, uh, you know, he's sort of, the way that I would put it is that his laboratory is open for business, right? He is constantly, um, you know, researching and just sort of reading the latest. So whether it's, in, you know, a more malleable helmet that is supposed to disperse energy in a way that um, sort of lessens impact. He will look into that. And if it's a helmet cover to do, you know, to absorb energy as well, like he looks into that. So there, he really does sort of um, just constantly, he's constantly on the look for um, just new innovative ways to tinker around the edges. And the word, the name Dabo popped out of your mouth. He wants to be a model, right? He wants some of these bigger programs to kind of look at what he's doing and, and emulate it a little bit. Yeah. 
I absolutely. So I, you know, I, his goal with all this, like I said, it really goes back to the idea that he has, a, you know, a pretty serious concern for the future of the game. So what he wants to see happen is that, yeah, he would. He's hoping that, you know, that concern trickles up and people adapt their ways. You know, whether it's Dabo Sweeney at Clemson and. Nick Saban at Alabama down to the youth levels, you know, at the high school level, youth levels. Um, the idea is that he wants to, um, you know, spread awareness, right? Because what he sees as, a, you know, a grave danger to the game is people staying away from the game because it is too dangerous. And it's not that there isn't a way to address that. It's that coaches aren't addressing that yet. Hallie Grossman from ESPN. Thanks so much. Thank you. Up next, Donnie White, CEO of Satisfy Labs, where teams are learning how to better satisfy their fans. This is the Future Sport Podcast. Our guest this week is Donnie White. He's the CEO and co-founder of Satisfy Labs, a business strategist and entrepreneur. He's got a long history of bridging a bunch of complex technological solutions for their clients' needs. Hey, Donnie, how are you? Thanks for joining us. Good, thanks. Appreciate your time. That is um, an interesting intro for what your biography is. Could you kind of sum up what it is you actually do? So, you know, my, my focus of my career has been getting ahead of the technology curve where possible, very much like algorithmic trading in finance and now artificial intelligence in the world and taking these very difficult things and bringing them to the masses. So that's where my career at Bloomberg, followed by DataHug, and now here at Satisfy Labs, has really led me personally into that kind of adventure. So let's get to some specifics and we'll get to satisfy. So you, you were at Bloomberg for a long period of time. Being ahead of the curve there meant what? When we first looked at the Bloomberg terminal and, and how to surface data to the financial markets, it became a race to see how we could package really complex information and put it into visuals or put it into tools that traders could use. I was on a team very early on that began to organize information to make it look transactional. And then getting into the automated trading space, teaching machines how to trade intelligently, even ahead of humans. So taking some of the gut out and applying mathematics to make smart trading decisions. That was really early in my career and a super amazing experience. So was this a difficult transition for the industry to grapple with? At first, there was a huge amount of fear that the human would be taken out of the equation. And over time, what you did see is you saw at first that the AI of algorithmic trading became a tool for people, and then it became a more efficient use where people could do more things. So very much in parallel to what I'm doing today, that was a, a very scary couple of years of adoption, and then now it's mainstream. Okay, so let's talk about Satisfy Labs a little bit. What is the goal of your company now? We're really in the knowledge-based business. Knowledge-based means that we take content that's both structured and unstructured, mainly at live events, and put it in a format that can be conversationally searched. 
and that means that you go into a stadium and you want to find the favorite food or beer or best place to park or the right gate to enter, maybe how to change your seat, maybe how to get a souvenir for your kid. All that information is now digitized, and we're surfacing it in a bunch of different places for fans to access it on demand. So the idea is the smarter stadium. It's very much so. It's almost like the contextual Google. So Google is scraping websites. We're providing a platform that our stadium and team customers are putting this content in a format that makes it AI readable or ready. And that means that now your entire experience comes to life and all the things that you want to accomplish, you can. You don't have to go find someone and ask them. Um, could you give us an example? What's happening in an arena somewhere right now that exemplifies what's happening? So it was just at the All-Star Game this past week. We just launched a product on Apple Business Chat, which is a new platform that Apple just released. Fans were asking about certain foods at the stadium, who's in the home run derby, where can I go after the game, how do I get a shuttle to my hotel. So just at the All-Star Game, thousands and thousands of fans were accessing our technology to get this information real time. That ranges from the season ticket holder to someone like myself who is visiting from out of town. Do you need, and the Indian Stadium is, uh, old is probably the wrong word for it, but it, certainly it is dated. <laughs> it, it, it's dated. If in, in terms of modern stadiums, it's dated. Old would be a very strong term, obviously, for it, as I think it was built in the 1990s. Um, in terms of infrastructure, what, what do you need from venues to accomplish the things that you're talking about? So the Indians are actually one of our really early adopters. And for us, it's really just a connection to like an LTD or a mobile carrier. Once you're connected via the Internet, our product is surfaced like there in the ballpark app, MLB ballpark app, and on their website. So the infrastructure is very light. The teams or venues have a very simple way to upload this content to us really on demand or in real time. So it's a good example where you might not think the infrastructure is there from the year the stadium was built, but the technology experience of those fans is above some of the even newer stadiums that are being built. Ah, Could the newer stadiums involve more literal interactive experiences based on their infrastructures? Yes. I mean, we partner with about 65 professional venues now. And you'll see some highlights like Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I think it's done a tremendous job of really integrating this technology in all of their tools that are you know, accessible to their fans. Another new stadium is um, Bank of California, LAFC. You'll see some new projects that we're launching there coming out in the next couple of weeks. So the, what the new stadiums are doing is they're kind of anticipating this in their infrastructure or in their experiential positioning for their fans. Whereas some of the stadiums that might be 20 or 25 year, years old are just focusing more on the tools, but it doesn't always carry over to the physical presence. Um, you've talked about parking and food and all of these other amenities that occur in these places, and, and you're making the experience better for the user. What about the games themselves? How, how are you involved with the content that comes from the actual gameplay? So right now we have uh, tested in market both in a cricket league, uh, and in baseball statistics, like real-time statistics calls. 
and we're getting a lot of user feedback of what people are trying to accomplish. So someone just stole second base. How many stolen bases does he have now? Great use case so that they have that virtual broadcaster. What we found is that a lot of people really are interested in like the pitching matchup and, and trying to get a, some research around what game they're about to see. I think the next step for us is we're in talks with a couple of firms on the betting side yeah. where fans are interested in how the lines change and you know the weather might be coming and has the line changed. So that'll be one of our next projects to add that to the Platform. Yeah, I, I think it, that's where we're going here. Clearly, um, in-game betting is something that likely will be coming. Um, I guess it depends on the jurisdiction based on legalities over the next you know, two to five years. Uh, but do you see that as part of potentially the platform that you're going to build? Yes. I mean, the way, way we've always approached it is, you know, how could I create a conversational search experience that's complete? so that when a fan wants to get information about the Indians, as an example, then they can just talk directly to the Indians, which gives the Indians insight into how to better service their fans. So if, if lions are what's interesting to them, then, then let's make sure we provide that. So we're constantly looking at the search data to see where people want us to develop. The number one was ticketing. So now we're starting ticket commerce. We've been doing it in other industry. We're bringing it to sports this month. Food order ahead. We've been doing it. Uh, we did it last year on a couple of pilots. We've just launched it in market this month, and you'll see some press about that. And then merchandise. So those have been the first three main uses. Now I'm seeing the betting line data as like the fourth, even ahead of people looking for things like batting yeah. average or um, and so when I walk into a stadium, how does this manifest itself? Is there some kind of app that's going to pop up on my phone that welcomes me to Progressive Field or wherever it may be? Or is this on other platforms that you can access what you're talking about? So when we create the database, which is an intelligent layer that understands all the content of the team or venue, it's then an omni-channel deployment. So it starts typically in whatever the team or venue app is, as well as the website. Then we have some that use SMS and some that use WhatsApp and some that use Facebook. And now with Apple Business Chat and Google Assistant, Amazon Alexa, all of those become access points for us. So once the knowledge base is written and created, then teams are able to publish that information to any of those channels so that they're going to where the fan is instead of trying to bring the fan into something that they don't naturally go to already. You are talking about a lot of things that feel very universal, but you know so much about fans and their desires through this technology. I, I am curious, are, are hockey fans different from baseball fans than basketball fans? Are there different wants and needs by those groups? So there's, a, there's definitely a layer where things just cross all live events. Like we also work in the music festival business, and we also work in the tourism business, like zoos and aquariums. So it's a good 65 to 70% where people want all the same things. It's actually not as much sports as demographics. So people in San Francisco do have different searches than people that are in Boston. Sometimes it's less about craft beer and more about healthy snacks. And that's, I won't tell you which is which. <laughs> I think I can take a pretty good so guess I, at I, that one. <laughs> I find, you know, where's the kale salad? It's pretty specific to certain yeah. you know, food interests. And it, and it goes all the way through to 
whether it be allergies or, or beer brand preferences or, you know, who's looking for a heavy kid activity versus more of an adult bar activity. So demographics do play, do play it more so than I think the actual sports themselves. So this could, I would assume, um, help stadiums individualize themselves more, right? Because their, their customer bases are different and they are wanting different things. There is, yet, there is an article when we first started about two years ago where at SunTrust Stadium, they now were able to see they had a higher concentration of allergy-sensitive fans huh. than they had anticipated. And so they actually changed their concessions to meet the needs of their fans. Uh, we saw one popular baseball team that has a brewery right there saw a demand for certain beer brands. And instead of creating just the supply of what people thought, now they were able to get a real true demand curve of what people wanted. And then now, you know, you'll start to see, you know, what's the demand for kid activities or places to go outdoors after the game. So now, yes, to your point, rather than people going into Google.com and searching about something that's happening at U.S. Bank Stadium, home in the Minnesota Vikings, now the Vikings can understand what their fans are trying to accomplish and then use that information to provide them better experience. I mean, it's interesting because, you know, in, in all of these stadiums, you will find certain things. Clearly, you'll find bars. You'll find standard operating procedure food in most of these places with some options around it. And then all this other stuff, kid-friendly activities. But that always came from what it felt like a place of this is what we think our fans want. They now know it, right? So there's a possibility that the experience at the LAFC game is going to be vastly different than the one at in New York because right. the fan bases want it differently. And they travel. So what's very interesting is we have a machine learning network that understands all the amenities and experiences across all the 65. So if there's a zip line like there is at SunTrust, there are fans that go into other stadiums looking for a zip line or looking for uh, a rock wall or looking for something. So now, you know, we're able to kind of use the network to also leverage each other because, you know, in this market, unlike the retail market, a stadium in Philadelphia is not competing with a stadium in Los Angeles. Those are not competitors. So they'd be interested to know that fans are interested or looking for some experience that they might have seen somewhere else, and our system ties that together. Hmm. Um, I, I did notice that your company works with Broadway producers. I, I just out of curiosity, in, in what way? How, how are you guys working with the Broadway experience? Because that seems really simple. Go in, watch the high-level <laughs> production that is right in front of you. I'm not looking for the kid activity there. Yeah, they're, and they're significant investors if you saw that uh, article. So that idea came from them. I actually met someone who ran a, a theater. He ran a group of five. He was at Jamps at the time. His name was Micah Hollingworth. And I actually was introduced through him through the New York Red Bulls. And he said, I know exactly how to use this product. And I said, but you said there's an intermission. It's not that complicated. He said, no, people will talk to this machine three days in advance of their trip. Hmm. And we will help them with trip planning. And we will help them buy tickets. So if you go on, like, wicked.com, you can actually purchase your tickets through a conversational system. 
and it's five or six questions to get you the most efficient ticket for your preference. And that has become the Broadway product. It's very transactional, very quick. People want to know, like, the cast and how they can hear a song, where they should park, where they should grab dinner before the show. But it's not on-site. It's, it's 90, 95% pre-visit. For, for everyone here, and this is fans of Broadway, fans of the Dallas Cowboys, whatever, whatever it may be, um, what's the feedback from them that they want more of? What are they telling you they'd like to see more of? It comes down to content. So at the end of the day, there's a, a concept in search called the long tail. And that means that you get your FAQs and maybe, you know, 60, 65, maybe even sometimes 70% of all the searches could be concentrated in a certain number of topics that's pretty easy to get. But really what our teams and venues want is us to service the long tail. I want to answer every question. And what that means is a, a more and, and more easy way for us to constantly grab new content and put it into the platform to answer that 100%, including the long tail. That's why the ticketing and then the merch and now the stats, and then I had one team interested in historical stats going back 20 years. You know, how do you give the fan everything they want in one place? That's really where we're being pushed. Donnie White is the CEO and co-founder of Satisfy Labs, S-A-T-I-S-F-I, an AI-powered knowledge management platform. Thank you so much, Donnie. Thank you. Appreciate your time. Up next, Spalding's Matt Day, taking us through the history and future of the basketball. This is the Future Sport Podcast. So let's take a minute here to thank our friends at 3Advance. These guys are ranked one of the nation's top app developers, but that's not all. They've helped grow a bunch of sports tech startups like Team Builder, T-Box Tour, and In-Game Fantasy. But they're also experts in user experience, cloud APIs, and artificial intelligence. So if you're looking for a dev partner to bring your future sport tech to life, look these guys up. Go to 3advance.com. They're the team to make it happen. At Advance, you will. That's the number 3advance.com. And tell them Future Sport sent you. Our guest this week is Matt Day. He's the digital marketing and e-commerce manager for Spalding, who, of course, is best known for the famous basketballs that they have produced and have had their pros play with for generations. Hey, Matt, how are you? Great, Bram. How are you? Great to be here. Uh, what is it you do for Spalding? Um, I lead digital marketing and the e-commerce efforts and oversee um, e-commerce from a Spalding.com standpoint uh, to retail.com to Amazon, as well as our overarching digital strategy that extends to you know, social media content, consumer engagement, CRM, and paid media. And, and talk about, just in general, what that means beyond selling basketballs, which is what obviously the company is best and most widely known for. Yeah, I guess how that means, that's a really great question. I, the way I look at it is um, how, uh, how do we track you know, the moment um, that 
one would be engaging with the sport during their life cycle from the moment they might be picking up their first basketball um, to coaching or becoming a parent or becoming a fan along the way, then how can we digitally, uh, through the ecosystem of platforms and technologies, which sometimes can be overwhelming, but how can we look at it a little um, a little more simply and say, uh, how can we use how can we use these how can we use this ecosystem to better connect people uh, to the sport, better connect people to basketball, and build a relationship with them along the way? Um, you know, tying in you know an all-encompassing uh, digital approach that's really focused on a relationship with the consumer. And so, how do you go about doing that? Like I said, you know, I think digital is complex. You have um, you have a lot of technologies that are always changing, and it changes so much that you'll always at best feel like you're halfway there. Um, and so, you know, not only are you putting customers on journeys, but you're kind of going on this, um, this journey, this journey yourself. But how we go about doing it is really um, kind of trying to simplify it and say, you know, how do we better connect people to something um, better, whether it's, you know, people to the people um, in the basketball and sports community with, um, or, or you know, people to places or experiences or products information um, and we, we use that on based off the technology we have and really try to integrate that all together um, but we you know at the end of the day we're trying to connect people uh, to what they're looking for and we're trying to do that as fast as possible as smart as possible in this uh, mobile first age of now environment that we have and in the sport of basketball we were talking about this before we started taping today um, that basketball is more digitally engaged than anyone else, right? Yeah, I think the NBA is, if you look at everything the NBA is doing, um, they're, they're doing a fantastic job, uh, both from a digital strategy to uh, really connecting uh, with their audiences. And what that is, that focus uh, on engagement has, uh, they've really been a pioneer from, from, from a league and sports standpoint. Uh, to where they not only have the most digitally engaged fan base out of uh, out of any league, and you can, you can use or sport. Um, and I think that's globally, and it's also the youngest. I mean, for example, I mean the season is is well over, but you don't feel it when you check Twitter um, with, with with all with all the stories and all the trades, and you know how rich the sport is in moments. Um, and so when you have an audience like that, and the basketball community really being a community, a community that's always on and engaging with the sport, um, you know, how, do, how, do, how does the ball, you know, what's the role of the ball, what's the role of the hoop uh, as, we, as we make both of those, um, how do we better engage along, uh, along those rich moments as well um, and, and, and get involved in everything the NBA has really paved the way of doing. What is the role of the ball? How would you define that? Oh man, that's a great question and a little bit of an emotional one. It, you know, the the ball is something that I believe everyone shares. It's something that connects everybody. Um, no matter what jersey you're wearing, what shoes you got on, what corporate team you're playing for, the teammates beside you, the the, the ball is something that universally universally uh, connects people. Um, and so, and, and our digital strategy and, and, and kind of our brand strategy, we talk about that a lot, is, um, you know, how can we better connect, you know, with people um, and, 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 and get the ball and get the love of the sport and ignite the soul of the sport and everyone that it touches. 
um, because, you know, basketball is one of those things. As soon as you pick it up and start dribbling or start watching or engaging the sport in some way, you know, it really grabs you and doesn't really, doesn't really let go. Um, so that's what we see the role, role of that ball, role of that ball being. It's a little bit more than a ball to us and more than a ball than, than to a lot of people. Uh, the role of the ball can also be a tracking device these days. Um, as you know, the technology has changed with what's inside of a basketball or any ball for that matter. Yeah. To, to So yeah. can you kind of talk through um, how Spalding views the technology changes that might involve what the basketball is actually capable of producing outside of baskets? That's great. Great question. Um, we've explored and have implemented at Spalding um, over the last few years several partnerships to collect more information on how people are playing the sport. Um, statistics during the game, performance, a really good example of this is through a partnership with Shot, Shot Tracker that where um, technology is put inside of the ball with sensors around an arena that where you can view, view this uh, Shot Tracker fan app um, the sport in real time, statistics in real time, um, that records all that for you, and you get some really great data from it. Um, and you know those, those implementations of putting something like that into a ball, what well, seems relatively simple, you have to think about you know how that ball is rotating um, when you set it down. Is it standing still? Is it leaning more to a side where there where there might be a sensor? When, when it, how it how it floats and how it rebounds? Um, it, 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 all those things have to be considered. Um, but it's things that we're actively, actively pursuing and actively um, trying to get better. Um, the Hoop Hall Classic in 2000, uh, 2019 this year um, had Spalding connected uh, precision basketball played with there. So, you know, during the game and after the game that the teams and the fans were able to see what those statistics were and almost watch the ball move as it's being passed and shot in real time. And um, it's, it's not only a great way that people are engaging with the sport through tech, but it's a great way to offer valuable feedback and data, not just to the manufacturer Spalding, but to the teams um, to increase their performance. Uh, I want to talk about the sport a little bit as a whole as well. Um, we just came off of another wild free agent period. This is I don't know that it's new, but it certainly is modern in the way that the players kind of control their destinations now and choose to go where they go. And we've had a lot of people talk um, on this podcast from various different fields um, about how regionality is starting to kind of lose luster or importance, um, that the Warriors are the Warriors, not necessarily the Golden State Warriors anymore. Um, Do you see basketball as becoming more driven by the people who play it or the teams collectively and having some kind of emotional attachment to a region? That's a good question, and I don't know how uh, qualified I am to answer that. I have some, I have uh, personal opinions, but any time that you know, there there has to be balance in everything between um, whether it be whether it be player control, but there also has to be stipulations on, on any league on when those conversations can start happening. Um, and I think the NBA and, and Adam Silver have addressed that have addressed that recently. So I'll, I'll leave those those com- those comments there. Um, but you know, I, the, the league is. Um, entertaining for a reason. It's it's the, the number one, you know, most engaged with uh, for a reason. Um, it has and and, and that and part due to um, to the players really uh, be, be becoming their own um, and, and, and driving uh, driving a lot of the engagement around the league and, and becoming almost personalities themselves. Um, and the NBA has done a fantastic job of empowering them. 
um, to do so within limitation when it comes to trade. So it's certainly interesting to see how the NBA involves, but I think we can all agree that um, it, it, it never uh, this, that league never disappoints. No, it doesn't. Um, let's get back to the brand of Spalding. It's, it's got this historic lineage to it. Um, so how do you go about reinventing the ideas of a brand like this, or, or do you even bother to try and reinvent it? That's a great question, and I think it goes about reinventing every day, and it's a part of Spalding's culture to not lose, and, and something that we, we really focus on, not losing um, what A.G. Spalding did and the culture that he invented with the company, and not too many people know a lot about the man A.G. Spalding, but this is someone that lived for sport before sport even existed, um, wanting to be a professional athlete, you know, in post-Civil War America, wasn't wasn't the most popular thing it was like be like me as a child telling my parents hey i want to work in e-commerce and then in digital and deal with tech and the internet and they'll say what are you talking about um you know this is before you know contracts and cars and all of those other things and he invented you know the first basketball before it was really what it is today and the first baseball and uh, football and some other things and and so kind of creating those things you wish existed always looking at something and saying can we do this better um kind of creates this culture of always on um always on reinvention um that's kind of rooted really 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 deeply rooted in in our brand history and so how that kind of translates to digital in my role is looking at this is the way that we're connecting with people um but there's always new there's always new media there's always new channels there's always new technology how can we take the things that are not only up and coming but what's on our in our abilities right now to always do that better um, to, to, to always try um, to, to connect the ball and to connect with the brand and connect with the basketball community better. And so it's this constant, constant re- reinvention that we have in our culture at Baldwin that we're really proud of. Yeah, I, I was thinking about you guys before we started talking, and I was thinking of Converse, and I had a pair of Chuck Taylors, you know, when I was younger. And, you know, it's got this similar feel to it. It's got this lineage. They haven't changed much about it, but they've modernized enough to remain relevant. I, I imagine that all of those discussions are happening for you. Yeah, absolutely. That's a brand that's done a fantastic job of, of connecting um, with their, their history in the sport uh, and their role in the sport of basketball, um, you know, with their shoes. And they're certainly doing a lot of exciting things, and uh, we're, we're a fan of that brand. Um, uh, you guys are getting into logo design too, right? You're working with the WNBA, the G League, th- those groups too? We work with them um, from a, a ball standpoint on um, you know, how do we want these basketballs differentiated um, between the NBA and the WNBA and, and the G League. And a lot of that are, are really um, collaborations with, with, between um, the NBA uh, and, and ourselves. Um, you know, the WNBA went through uh, an awesome, um, uh, you know, brand update um, this, this year. That, that's certainly exciting um, that we want to see rolling out um, uh, on the product. But, the, you know, those those brand decisions are, are normally held by the NBA. And when it comes to integrating some of that into the equipment so that brand comes out, not just in the performance of the basketball or the equipment, um, but the brand on, on the product itself, um, we work to integrate those things. You've talked to a lot of different people, and you've kind of touched on this too with, with the modernization of of, um, of having the basketball and interacting with people and kind of getting a sense of what they actually want from you. So you're merchandising based on this fan demand. Um, what are they telling you? What What does the modern fan want? That's a great question. Um, I mean, the, the, the modern fan 
um, is going to be a lot different than the uh, the young athlete that is that is getting the basketball out for uh, getting their first basketball or different than a parent um, and different than a coach. And so we listen um, not not just you know from a, a, a you know qualitative but a, a quantitative standpoint too. Qualitative always on listening, whether it's digital and social listening, and, you know, feedback and, and different focus groups that we have. Um, but, but, but some, a lot of the, a lot of the quantitative stuff too. So starting with, starting with parents and, and things, you know, for example, when they're looking for a basketball hoop, is it safe? Is it durable? These are things that they want. And we want to make sure that um, the hoops that we manufacture, are not just the ones that are on court at the NBA, but the ones that where you want to bring the arena to your driveway, um, reassure parents of those um, of their of their own passion points and concerns that they have um, from a younger athlete that are picking up the ball for the first time. Um, they're gonna they're gonna want it. You know, some of them might have a trouble, and they say, "Hey, a full size, maybe even a twenty eight point five size." is uh, might be a little difficult to get up based on the player development um so with a lot of our youth products um we made them lighter uh by by a large margin so players can enjoy getting the ball up and shooting and, and starting um what we see you know farther on is things like grip moisture management how is this how is this ball uh, this gets more to the competition level um, when, when players are uh, have more moisture on their hands. How is it dealing with that? Um, how is even up to is it? Um, how is the ball picking up things that are might be on the gym floor? Um, is, is it durable in that aspect where it's going to stay clean? Um, but they're, they're telling us all of that from a product from a product standpoint. But more on, a, on an, an engagement standpoint, um, they, they want it. They want the information. Uh, readily available to them, and that's not so much of a new insight for basketball. It's something that you're kind of seeing across the all industries in the age of now that people want to be connected with, what they're looking for, and want first contact resolution with the right information in the right place on any channel that they're on, um, so they can easily connect with the sport, easily get the products that they're looking for, no matter if it's for training or uh, some other type of uh, uh, equipment. And we want to make sure that when they're choosing to engage, when they're choosing to search, when they're choosing to uh, get involved with us as a brand or the category, that we're more that, that we are readily there. And we have a lot of tools and a lot of tech in place, from artificial intelligence to CRM, um, to start to predict what those things are, to comprehend what those things are, and put the brand in a position uh, to, uh, success, uh, for success. Um, and I'll let you go with this uh, because all this stuff is changing so fast. Even even for you guys, as you try to figure out what fans want from you, and stadiums are changing, the way teams are being built are changing, rules are changing, content strategies are changing with all these different tastes. Are you confident in 10, 20, 30 years that a basketball is going to look like a basketball, or is that gonna is that going to change too? <laughs> You know what they say. You know, there's a, there's a saying that if you change the ball, you change the game. Um, that I, I think basketball is is one of those sports that that is going to survive and not only survive but thrive. Um, you're seeing it uh, take off more globally. I mean, look at the NBA awards this year. Look what's happening with college basketball and high school basketball from an international level. Um, it, it's one of the everyone is starting to speak the language of basketball, so we're, we're pretty confident with that. But there's always different innovations that are out there um, and, and ones that we have in research and development right now that I can't uh, comment too much on everything from tech integration, from um, maybe different materials that we're always looking at. You know, we're a little obsessive over it over here. Um, but 
no matter what the industry does, you know, we we want we want to not just be there on pace with it, but kind of predict some of those things. Um, you know, to, to to push the sport, not just be a the ball of the sport, but to carry the sport um, and to make the sport accessible so it can grow. Um, that that that's one of our that's one of our roles here, one of our passions here as a sport. Not only is is it grows in the United States, but just is on fire globally. Matt Tay is the digital marketing and e-commerce manager for Spalding. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Thank you so much, Bram. That will do it for us this week. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by 3Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI-powered and UX-focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com.